Hello and welcome to Catch Up with Community Church. It's great to have you listening to us today. Today we have Kirsty preaching on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. That should be a great preach, so make sure you stick around to listen to that. But before we get into the preach, there's just a few notices. So we have our Love Thy Neighbour event on the 22nd of February, 10am to 11.30am at Chadwell. Please email Nick. This is for families, with specifically families of children under 11 years old. We also have a doctrine growing in God course starting on the 25th of February. Please check the website for more details for that. If you're a first aider, it'd be great to hear from you or are happy just to learn first aid. We'll make sure you get qualified. We're looking for qualified first aiders for each of our sites. So please be in touch with your office if that works for you. That's all the notices. So now let's listen to Kirsty preach on 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 to 10. Hello everyone, my name is Kirsty, and just to give you a little bit of background of who I am and where I'm from, born and raised in Grays, Thurrock, Essex. I haven't <laughs> moved very far. I am from Essex, I'm from Grays, um, and so I've been in this congregation for about 15 years and led the children's work for a long time, about 11 years was paid member of staff to do that. My role keeps changing. Um, so at the moment, I work Monday to Thursday for the NHS. And on a Friday, I work for church doing safeguarding coordinating. So I'm on the safeguarding team. I'm one of the safeguarding leads for church. So if you've got any questions about safeguarding, come and ask them. I am a mother of one son who is 19, married to Matt. And it will be our 29th wedding anniversary this year. So thank God that God has kept us. That's me in a nutshell. Um, I've kind of realised this morning I'm an introverted extrovert. So I like speaking to people, but I also like time on my own. I get re-energised, refocused by spending time with other people. Meeting. I love to meet new people. But equally, I'm not very good at small talk. I get a bit awkward, socially awkward, but that's okay. I'm passionate about lots of different things, and hopefully some of those will come through as I speak to you guys this morning. I am going to set a timer going so that I can just keep an eye on what I'm doing. And I will need to get my bottle of water as well. So, Max, you pass over. Thank you. Okay, Stanley Dupe, this is not the real thing, this is a fake. I'd recommend this to everybody, it's great. <clears throat> so we've been focusing on the first book of Peter over the last few weeks. I've been given the passage of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 to 10 to focus on this morning. We know that Peter wrote the letter. He wrote the letter to the Gentile church in the area that we now know as modern Turkey. The letter was sent as a circular letter, so it went round to all the churches, multiple locations, multiple people got to read and hear this letter. And it's a letter to encourage the church to remember their identity in Jesus and to put their future hope in Jesus' return. And there's lots of elements to that in between. So today's focus is chapter 1, verses 4 to 10. Chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. Oh dear. Okay. 
Oh, yes, chapter 2. So I'm just going to read it. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you, yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And I've just realised that's all up there as well. Peter's writing to describe the identity of the church. He draws parallels between Jesus, the cornerstone, rejected and despised by men, but chosen and precious. We are also a a chosen, a royal priesthood, exiled, but still chosen, holy living stones to proclaim his excellencies. So there's four things that, I felt like we needed to focus on today from this passage, and that is Jesus is the cornerstone. We're going to be looking at our identity. We're going to be looking at the merciful rescue. And we're going to look in at our response as living stones. Chosen living stones. So our first word cornerstone in verse 6 it describes Jesus as the cornerstone now a cornerstone in a building term is a specific piece of stone that is chosen for its qualities its shape its size it's measured carefully and it's placed in a very precise position Also in stonemasonry, historically, the cornerstone had significant importance for that building. So it was often engraved with initials or names or dates. And it set the alignment for that whole building. It was placed in a specific purpose. It was in a specific place. It was chosen for a specific purpose, to be the cornerstone. The stone that sets the structure and the alignment for that building. So when we say that Jesus is the cornerstone, it's telling us that Jesus is the cornerstone to be the cornerstone of our faith. Jesus is chosen for a specific purpose, placed in a specific place, and sets the alignment for our faith. Everything we do 
has Jesus at the foundation, has Jesus at the cornerstone. The word, in also in verse 6, the word chosen jumped out at me. And this comes from the Greek word eklektos, which means chosen, elect, and chosen for a purpose. It also means rendering of a specific purpose. Of those chosen out by God for the rendering of special service to him. So not only was Jesus chosen and placed in that specific place, he had a special job to do. He had a special purpose. His whole purpose was to come and to seek and save the lost. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That was his purpose. That was his task. That was his aim. That was the service that was set before him. He knew what he had to do. He knew what he was going to have to endure. Now, us as human beings living today, we don't always know what our purpose is. And that's not necessarily a healthy way to live. Jesus was clear in his calling. He was clear in his direction. He was clearing in his, in his vision and in his ministry. When we don't know what we're supposed to be doing, we lack vision, we lack direction, we lack focus. If we don't know our purpose, our vision and our values, our ministry can be easily swayed. Sometimes we're drawn to the latest ministry that has the highest profile or looks the most fun, or the most energising. We can go from ministry to ministry, not knowing really where we fit. Sometimes not knowing our ministry and our calling and our purpose keeps us on the periphery of a congregation. Not knowing our purpose and vision can keep us fixed in a position of not serving. Some of us don't want to jump into a ministry in case we get it wrong. What if that's not what God is telling me to do? What if that is not where God is leading me? What if that ministry and vision is not right for me? So sometimes we do, we, we just sit back because we're not sure what our purpose is, what our calling is. Stay with me on this. We are going somewhere. So... Jesus is the cornerstone. He is the rescue plan. He was created and born and lived for a specific purpose. Without Jesus, there is no faith, there is no church, there is no salvation. Jesus is the cornerstone for everything we do. Jesus was the rescue plan. Okay, my next point, identity. Did you know, according to psychology, it takes seven seconds for you to make an impression on someone else? When you meet someone for the first time, whether you like it or not, you have seven seconds to make a good impression. That fills me with dread. <laughs> I'm not very good at small talk. I'm not very good at polite chit-chat. Get to know me and you'll get to know the real me, but when you first meet me, I can be a bit awkward. 
So it can take a long time to unpick that bad impression if you've made a bad impression the first time you meet someone. We're constantly judging. You might judge me by my clothes, by my accent. The fact that I grew up in Greys means I have a very strong Essex accent sometimes and I have to work on that to make sure that everybody understands what I'm saying. So you might judge me by my accent, my clothes, my hair, my job, what I do. But I know without doubt that God loves me. I know that I'm accepted by God. And I know I have a calling and a purpose. But for so long, I was caught up in what others thought of me. That I was too fearful to step in to what God had called me to do. I began to be a people pleaser, not being able to say no. I feared rejection. I worried more about what others thought of me than what God thought of me. I knew that God loved me, but I needed to know that people loved me. And that's not a healthy mindset to be in. So, there was a point in time when my thinking shifted. I'm going to explain that to you in a little while. I realised what gifts God had given me to walk in, and that meant I just needed his approval and not man's. Having the affirmation from God that I'm chosen, that I'm a royal priesthood, and being built as living stones helped me shape my identity in Jesus. So you, yourselves are being built like living stones, being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. A holy priesthood, that's us, that's me and you. Living stones, that's also me and you. Our identity is in Christ. Our corporate identity is that we are being built as a spiritual house. That identity also extends to say that we are God's possession. We are a chosen race. In verse 9 it says we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. So this word possession comes from the Greek. I'm going to try my hardest to get this word right. Peripoiasis. Proud of that. Peripoiasis means possession, treasured possession, belonging to God for his preservation. He wants to preserve your life. He wants to preserve your soul. So not only are we his because he has chosen us and he has called us, he puts a high value on us because his son Jesus shed his precious blood for us. We were ransomed, we were rescued, we were restored by the precious blood of Jesus. In Isaiah 43:21, it says that he formed us for himself. The people that I formed for myself, that they might proclaim my praise. We are his possession. We belong to him. He rescued us. 
he restored us. I love this, that God chose us not only to belong to him, but to belong to him to preserve our life as well. Belonging to God, if we are corporately his, then we have a corporate identity. Therefore, we have a corporate calling and a corporate purpose. In verse 9, it tells us that we are belonging to a royal priesthood, a holy nation, that we are a people belonging to God. And we're to belong to him so that we can proclaim his excellencies. This is our corporate calling, to proclaim his excellencies. Once we've gained a fuller understanding of who we belong to, we can appreciate that we have been mercifully rescued. In verse 9, it says, Out of darkness and into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had received mercy, but now... You have received mercy. According to the Cambridge Dictionary, the definition of mercy is compassion or kindness shown towards somebody whom you have the right or power to punish. Mercy is given by someone who has the power to punish or forgive. That's mercy. Mercy is shown by somebody that can punish you or can forgive you. If God only gave us what we deserved, we wouldn't get very much. But the thing that still amazes me personally is that God wants to love me when I think I'm unlovable. God wants to forgive me when I think I'm unforgivable. He wants to show me mercy when I think I deserve to be punished. That goes for all of us. God loves you when you think you are unlovable. God wants to forgive you when you think you are unforgivable. He wants to show you mercy when you think you deserve to be punished. We get rewarded when we've done nothing to earn it. And that is the amazing thing about God's grace and his mercy. We do nothing to earn his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy. We get salvation even though we didn't earn it. So do we know what we've been rescued from? We've been mercifully rescued, but do we know what we've been rescued from? And at the end of verse 9, it says, Out of darkness into his marvellous light. From deserving punishment 
to receiving mercy. Question for you this morning. Have you allowed Jesus to rescue you? Or are you still living part-time in a world that Jesus wants to rescue you from? Are we trying to live a holy life in our own strength? Because we can do that as Christians and as believers. We can merrily be going along our own way, living in our own strength, trying to live a holy life. But we just need to let Jesus rescue us. The original readers of this letter sounded like they needed to hear a reminder of what they'd been rescued from. Peter felt led to be very clear in his writing to encourage them to be holy, to remind them that mercy was theirs and that they were drawn from darkness into light. Personally, I know I was rescued from a life of being a people pleaser. I've been rescued from a life of living in fear of rejection. I know that I've been rescued from living a life of uncertainty and purposelessness. I wonder if you can say the same. Have you allowed Jesus to rescue you? The night that I met with Jesus, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues. I knew that God loved me, that he saved me and he rescued me, and that I'd found a friend. I was lonely before I met Jesus. I was 13 and three quarters, in a vibrant church, in a vibrant youth group, wonderful mentors around me, wonderful friends around me, supportive family in my church. But I was still lonely. I needed a friend. I needed that companionship. I needed to know that I was loved and I was accepted. Jesus became the desire of my heart. And it was only Jesus that was going to fill that void in me. And it was only Jesus that was going to rescue me. And it was only Jesus that was going to make me feel loved and welcome and accepted. But it took me a long time to discover what my purpose and role was within a building of living stones. So, not only are we rescued, thank you Jesus for that, we are chosen, we are chosen for a purpose, and we're chosen to be living stones, to be built together, to be building up a spiritual house. So, you are chosen. Some of you might be thinking, ah, that's not me. Why would God choose me? He chose you because he loves you. He he chooses you as an ongoing choice, because you are his. He created you for to be his, to be his possession. You belong to him. So, 
living stones. That's me and you. We're being built together to build a spiritual house as living stones. How do we live as living stones? How do we live in the knowledge that he has called us chosen, he has called us a royal priesthood, he has called us precious, a possession belonging to him for preservation? How do we live as chosen living stones, exiled in a world that sees Jesus as a stumbling block? Okay, so firstly, how do we live? We need to know that he has rescued us from sin and death, that sin separated us from God. We must acknowledge that we're sinners, that the wages of sin is death, but that Jesus came to seek and save us. Some of us have grown up in churches. Some of us have been raised by Christian parents. Some of us have grown up with the knowledge that Jesus is always with us. Some of us have always known Jesus as our saviour. Some of us would have very definite dates and times when actually Jesus came into our life. Some of us would have that very clear understanding of, on this date and this time, I gave my life to Jesus. My salvation story is different from Zoe's salvation story. Zoe's salvation story is different from Matt's salvation story. Matt's salvation story is different from Alan's salvation story. Alan's salvation story is different from... Let me pick someone else. From Tosin's salvation story. Only Only you know where you've come from. No one else has lived the same experiences as you. But I just want to challenge you this morning. Do not belittle your salvation story, whatever it looks like. Some of us were raised in church. Some of us were not raised in church. Some of us have done some things that we're not too proud of. We like to keep them hidden. Some of us have lived a life where we've been good. I'm a good Christian. I'm fine. But don't belittle your salvation story. Each story is unique. It starts with a lost soul. We were all lost. And it ends with finding a saviour. They all have the same start. They all have the same finish. Don't belittle your salvation story. It's precious. So, how else do we live as and function as living stones? We must know what he's rescued us into. That he's called us out of darkness into his light, into his salvation. At the age of 13, finding Jesus for myself was the best day ever. Just take a moment to relive your salvation story. Did you give your life to Jesus as a child?
Has your knowledge and understanding grown? So, how else do we function as living stones? We must work together to proclaim his excellencies. Being built as a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. We must know how to serve well. This links back to point two. We must know our identity in Jesus. If we're going to serve well, we need to know who we are. Do we know how to serve? Do we know where to serve? Do we know who we are? Do we know what our calling and purpose is? If you know your identity, you'll know where you'll fit as a living stone building the house of God. So we're being built together. So that's our corporate calling. That's who we are corporately. We've been built together to build a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. Jesus being the foundation, being the cornerstone, being chosen. Our response is to be certain of what we've been called from and what we've been called into. To be fully confident in our purpose in being a holy priesthood. It's not singular, it's not one person, it's a group of people, priesthood, we're together. So when you've got a clear purpose to your existence, you can be certain that you'll always go in the right direction. If you're unsure of your giftings and your callings, you will always shift from one ministry to the next, never really settling in one place. So we know we've been commissioned to share the good news of the gospel. We've also been commissioned to be part of the building of God's house, living stones being built together. But what does it look like when Jesus is not your cornerstone? What does it feel like when Jesus is not your cornerstone? What happens when we don't set our walls in alignment with Jesus? What does it look like when our identity is not in Jesus? What does our behaviour look like when our identity is not secure in Jesus? Things just start to feel off, misaligned, not quite going in the right direction. Your walls can become a little bit unstable and a little bit wobbly. That's what it feels like when Jesus is not your cornerstone, when you don't have that peace. Actually, everything I'm doing is in alignment with Jesus' calling for my life. We can start to doubt. We can start to put trust in our own sufficiency, self-sufficiency. We strive to fit in. We compare ourselves to others. You might see that ministry going on over there and think, oh, that looks cool. I'm going to go and join those people over there. You start to compare yourself to other people. When your alignment is not set with Jesus being your cornerstone, you can start to try and fit yourself in places where God is not telling you to be. 
So how do we figure out what our purpose and calling is in building this house together? In 2016, I read a book as recommended to me by David Barham. And this book was called Leaders Who Last. And there's a scarily high percentage of leaders that do not make it to retirement, that drop out of ministry, that just decide, actually, I can't do this anymore. So this book helped me kind of realign my thinking of what my leadership role was, what I was to be called to do. And there was a particular chapter on purpose. The aim of this chapter was to come up with a short, dynamic sentence that describes who you are and what your ministries and giftings are. So, this question I'm probably going to send out to you as life groups this week for you to do this activity together. You might want to take a photo of this on your phone so you've got a chance to think about it beforehand. But basically, this enabled me to really figure out what my purpose was and what my calling was. And it has helped me to always put Jesus as my cornerstone. And when things started to feel off and misaligned, I would bring myself back to this. So you might have Bible verses that God's applied to you directly, that you feel resonate with your heart, that are um, specific to your ministry, to your giftings. Write them down. Think about how God has used you in the past. You might want to start with that question. How has God used you in your past? And see what Bible verses come to mind when you think about that. What are you passionate about? List the things you know you are good at, your gifts and your strengths. If you think, oh, I'm not very good at very much, ask someone that knows you well, what am I good at? Sometimes we're not very good at recognising our own strengths. Sometimes we need someone to call that out for us. List what you have excelled at in your work life. What is it at work that your bosses say, well done, that was great, that was so good, I, I loved it when you did that, that was amazing. Define what action words best describe what you like to do. Despite being an extroverted introvert, I like to talk. I like to teach. I like to explain things to people. I like to be inclusive. I like to make sure that everybody feels welcome and loved. That's, that's me. That's what I do. What do you enjoy doing in your free time? So, the aim is to come up with a short, energising statement about yourself. And imagine if you had like a, a sweater or a hoodie or a T-shirt that had um, Kirsty and then on the back a description of who I was. What would, what would your T-shirt say? What would your sweater say? Um, it's good to know what your giftings and your purpose and your calling is. 
so it can help you stay on track. So I, I redid this and I came up with this phrase for myself. Kirsty. Definition of Kirsty. Who is Kirsty? A gentle teacher, a seer of dreams, teacher of truths, and a prayer of words. What would your slogan be on your T-shirt? What would your T-shirt say? BJ, I wonder what your T-shirt would say. So I'm going to send this activity out. Hopefully you'll be able to do this midweek. Um, so, for me, the themes that I wanted to kind of talk to you about this morning was that Jesus needs to be your cornerstone. At whatever point of life you are at, Jesus needs to be the one setting the alignment for your life, for your building, for your structure, for your home, for your family, for your work. Everything you do needs to be with Jesus as your cornerstone. Identity. Our corporate identity is being living stones, being built together to build a spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. That is who we are corporately. To challenge you, some of you may not have allowed Jesus to rescue you this morning. You can allow Jesus to rescue you from whatever point you are in your life. And that you are chosen living stones with a corporate calling to build a spiritual house. You are loved, you are chosen, you are God's possession. God is good, Jesus is faithful, God shows us mercy when we don't deserve it. God has the power to punish or forgive and he chooses to forgive us every time. And that just amazes me that God is so forgiving, so merciful and so gracious towards us. Let's pray. Jesus, just thank you who you are, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to rescue us, you came to save us, you came to restore us, you came to redeem us. Help us to allow you to rescue us. Help us in our stubbornness to step aside and just let you in. Jesus, we need you. Just want to offer a challenge to you as a congregation as well this morning. Something else I felt pressed upon my heart this week is that we cannot live of someone else's spirituality. We need to discover Jesus for ourselves. You cannot live off your wife's experience, your husband's experience, your children, your parents. 
your aunties, your uncles. You need to experience Jesus for yourself. It needs to be your own. So if that applies to you this morning, just prepare your hearts to just submit to Jesus. Granville, would you be able to come? The worship team. We're just going to prepare our hearts to just enter into another time of worship, to just respond. For those of you that haven't given your life to Jesus, now is a perfect opportunity. Find a life group leader. Ask them to pray with you. At whatever point you're at in your journey, we can resubmit ourselves to Jesus. Jesus, I just thank you that you are just such a gentle saviour that wants to just come in and meet where we are. We just give you our whole morning, every word that's been sung, every word that's been spoken. We just lift it as a spiritual sacrifice to you. Corporately, we offer ourselves to you. And individually, we say, Jesus, come and take control. Be the foundation, be the centre, be the focus, be the cornerstone of my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you forgive us when we really mess up. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't want us to change before we come to you, that you just accept us for who we are in all our mess, in all our shame, in all our rejection. Thank you, Jesus, that you just come and you can cover that all with your love and your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that you have mercifully rescued us Be with us. Help us. Jesus, we need you every day. We need you every moment. Thank you, Jesus, for what you endured for us. The pain. The torture, the torment that you endured, that we would be free. That we would be restored that we would be ransomed, rescued, healed, forgiven. Thank you, Jesus, that you did all that for us. And our response is to bring our sacrifices to you, Jesus. Our response is to lay our lives before you and say, Jesus... Be the cornerstone of my being. Be the cornerstone of everything I do and say and wherever I go, Jesus. Be the alignment for my house. In Jesus' name.
We hope you enjoyed the preach today. You can come back next week to listen again or come to one of our services either at Chafford 100, Chadwell St Mary or South Ockingdon meeting at 10.30am. Check the website for details. It would be great to have you there. Have a good week. <laughs>